I've been thinking about it like for the past 30 years, and I don't think there is a better um, local business slogan than uh, you won't get a lemon at Toyota of Orange. <laughs> like, There's a lot of clever marketing, and there's a lot of Don Drapery stuff out there, and people are trying to over-engineer over things. Um, and we're just we're about to happen upon like the the Super Bowl, if you will, of marketing campaigns, which is the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, isn't there something where like you're actually not allowed to use the phrase Super Bowl no, no, in certain oh, ooh, types ooh. of promotional stuff? So so quick quick uh, real time follow up or <laughs> put to put a pin on that. Actually, and I forget why I heard this if it was Planet Money or ninety nine percent Invisible or, or what it was, but apparently, yeah, you have to license the phrase Super Bowl from the nfl but also i i don't know if they were saying that this was the workaround or if this was also like trademarked but most ads will refer to it as quote the big game right to either skirt the um the trademark fees or maybe that's also licensed i don't know no i think that is the generic term you can use uh, in the absence of having the license to use Super Bowl, which I think we can use in this context because I think it's you're not allowed to use Super Bowl in any sort of context where you're um, profiting. And as, as far as I know, Carlos, the uh, sponsorship money doesn't really pour in through this channel. Oh, you, you're not getting the checks? <laughs> <laughs> I should look into that. Um, yeah, but also I think they might run afoul of the Sacramento Kings because that, that's their slogan. I was reminded today that the Sacramento Kings are a team. <laughs> um, are. Apparently, apparently, they have um, a very nice new stadium, though the Golden One Center or something like that. I've yeah, I've been. I think they're in their second season there, maybe third at this point. I've been meaning to see a game up that way, but just haven't found the occasion. Same with uh, Chase Center. I'd like I'd like to see it. I've heard mixed things, but I'd like to see it for myself. I've heard it's really nice, and it's really nice from the outside, but apparently the ticket prices have not um, uh, equalized with the performance of the team. Mm. So there's there's still a bit of a Bay Area premium there. Sure. Yeah, but I think that's actually a decent transition into other basketball news and, and stuff. Some Something happened this weekend that I think uh, you had a lot of attachment to. Yeah, probably as good of a transition as any. Um with the news with Kobe this past weekend, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have anything profound to say or anything, but like for me, the, the three Pete Lakers from 2000 to 2002 was like, that was, you know, what my, not only like top sports moment of all time, but I guess mostly because of like when it happened in my life. This was when we were in middle school. Like I think that the three championships literally um, corresponded with sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And you know, like when I look back on my childhood, and you know, specifically if I look back on some of my favorite memories, that that team and those few seasons were. Um kind of what I what I think about and you know Kobe was always the was always the one that um you know I kind of most thought of on that team like he's he's the only player jersey from the team that I still have even today um and it's 
<clears throat> it's also kind of amazing to think like, you know, I'm talking about a moment from like starting in sixth grade and then his last championship was the year that we graduated college in 2010. So, you know, not only was he, you know, a, a incredible athlete, but he was able to sustain that for such a long period of time. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of all I got, but, um, yeah, it's been kind of a, it's been a surreal last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton to add, but he seems like a figure, um, in sports that seems kind of unmatched and especially for the Los Angeles area. It, he's, he's, um, like, uh, sustained even though the team had a very long dry spell of of not being like a very winning team but that his influence over his very long career was and also he only ever played for one team correct yeah that's right he's one of only two players in nba history who played uh 20 or more seasons all with uh, the same team yeah so it's it, it's it's a big loss um and it's and it's tricky only because he had tons of success on the court but also a, a more, slightly more complicated personal life. And it's always just weird where that um, people try to grapple with how to deal with that after the fact. And also, especially in the internet era, era where it felt like that story went from, abs- like, of course, unknown, but just traveled across the internet at just such an alarming rate where it seems like the whole world knew within a half hour. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll put a, a link um, in the show notes uh, to the most recent episode as we're recording here of uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, where he had a conversation with uh, J.A. Adondi, who uh, used to work at ESPN, now runs a sports journalism program, I think, at Northwestern. And part of the conversation they had was sort of you know, the way that the event was covered and, and the differences between traditional media and social media. And then, of course, right, how, um, you know, his sexual assault allegation from 2004 fit into that um, and kind of how, you know, how in general you go about talking about topics like that when someone passes away. Um, it, 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 the conversation was much better than I could possibly give it justice to. So again, I'll, I'll put a, a link to the, in the notes for that. Yeah. And the last bit on the journalism piece, it was also super interesting that, um, like, you know, how sometimes like there's a race to like push notifications for breaking news. Um, it was very interesting that the New York times and the LA, what, like the different speed of which the LA times was on social media, uh, stating that yes, they know something happened, but they were unable to independently confirm it. And then the New York Times actually took a couple hours to uh, confirm or to to give their um, confirmation on the story. Is is it's weird where um, kind of in this immediate fact world where um, there's still kind of different standards. Because I I believe unfortunately TMZ was the the originating news source that happened to end up being correct. Right. Yeah, it's tricky. But no, that sounds like a like a good listen. And that was part of the just the Bill standard Bill Simmons show. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I guess maybe maybe my the last thing I'd say is that and it's kind of kind of related to the coverage after the fact is um it's just incredible the different places that I've seen coverage. Like when I look at my Instagram feed, it's people from 
all walks of life. It's Food Network show hosts. It's other athletes. It's political figures. Um, it's people from all over the globe. It's um, I think I think you said this earlier. I mean, there's there's very few people who kind of reach the status that he did. I mean, even just sort of the symbolic one word name, right? Like Kobe, Cher, Madonna. Like there's just there's so few people who um kind of reach that level and you know he did um in a way that yeah i don't i don't think any other athlete ever has well said all right do you want to talk about some frivolous t-word stuff let's do that what else do we do here um let me bring up the doc all right um i can hit you with some quick follow-up yeah do that because i just got distracted by something thank you <laughs> okay shiny objects you uh, sure yeah uh, it's a big big retina screen you're looking at there maybe i should try working on an ipad instead <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that <laughs> um so two quick ones here um i now am officially a multi uh hubridge household um i guess the only thing to to call out here that we haven't already sort of talked about is the way in which you find out that you need a second um, Hubridge, um, which I only knew about because I had done kind of an excessive amount of research into what it meant to like have a second bridge and the ways that that was going to potentially break my lady in a can integration and how that would fit in a home kit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in that research, I had, you know, read some stories about reasons why people added a second bridge and, you know, you would think that, like, if there's this known device limit, which Phillips is very upfront about, which is, they don't say it's 50, they say it's around 50, <laughs> which is kind of the direction this is headed. Um, when you do reach the four, call it 48 to 55-ish device limit on a bridge, it's not like you get an error message or any other type of notification things just literally stop working. So in my case, I was adding a new switch to one of the bathrooms and the setup wouldn't complete, but the switch would end up controlling one of the three lights in the bathroom, but it would never like sh um, actually like fully show up in the app. Um, um, and there was like no, like I tried resetting it, tried setting it up again, did that a couple of times. And I thought like, well, you know what? Like maybe this, you know, this does sound a little bit like what I read on the internet about people just starting to like run into some like general weirdness when they, when they maxed out a bridge. And so I set up the second bridge, uh, switched over some lights that are in that area of the house onto that new bridge and then came back to the new switch I was trying to set up and it, it worked instantly. Um, so not a, uh, not a great user experience, which is normally what we applaud Phillips for with the hue line, but this is, we? uh, and, and well, I, Do you I think, remember the I first gen at hue app. <laughs> well, the, I guess the current state of hue, we, we is, is kind of some of the best smart home stuff out there. um, and I, you know, I, I guess I would fully acknowledge that 
the I'm sure the percentage of users that have multiple bridges is <laughs> probably quite low. Um, but nonetheless, I, it does feel like something that maybe they could improve a bit on. So can I ask what what is how, what are the implications? Like, do you, how does like what is the separation? Like, how, is it seamless that you have two bridges on there? Like, how do you do? You have to explicitly say, "I want this light to be paired to this bridge." Do you have to log in and out of the app? Like, I guess, how do you? If there's an arbitrary or not, or maybe a technical limitation as to why you need uh, a second bridge after fifty. How does that impact how you administrate or deal with devices that are connected to one or the other bridge? So there's lots more to come on this because I just set up this bridge a couple of days ago and I'm still kind of getting my head around it. But the answer varies depending on the app or service. So in the native Hue app, you do actually have to switch between bridges so and and to answer your other question yes and a light or a device is paired to a specific bridge so do you have two separate lists of lights in in the philips hue app yes so if i'm mm. connected to my original bridge it will show me the lights that are connected to that bridge and will not show me the lights that are connected to the other bridge and if i want to go see those other lights i have to go into settings click on Phillips, you know, bridges or hue bridges and then select the other bridge and then the other the other lights come up. So it's kind of like it's a separate house, sort of. Sort of, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Hmm. Um, but um, the Phillips Hue app is uniquely limited in that way. So the iConnect Hue app, as well as just HomeKit, so the Home app, those are both seamless. That Those are both kind of hue bridge agnostic where... All of my lights, all of my devices just show up in a single list. And it if you didn't know there were multiple bridges behind the scenes, you wouldn't know they were there. It all just works kind of like you'd want it to. iConnect Hue is is the most powerful and weirdly designed app that exists. Yeah, it it the way I mean I think we've talked about this before, that doesn't fit into like my everyday use of Hue lights. It it usually comes into play like when I'm first setting something up or if I decide I want to tweak a very particular setting that like the native Hue app doesn't support. Um but I have found in this new uh, multi-bridge lifestyle that one <laughs> one of the nice things is that it's another way to very quickly access all of my lights. But so far the best way to do so has actually just been through the the uh, home app using HomeKit, um, which is one of the things that I had read about. But the part that is the huge wild card, which I haven't brought myself to, to start diving into just because it's it's been a week, um, is the Lady in a Can integration. And the fine folks on Reddit and across the internet have <laughs> have a. Uh, variety of experiences with um having multiple hue bridges work with the lady in a can and the best i can tell is you so like you know the, the hue integration with the lady in a can is is somewhat complicated because um all the lights and everything work out of the box without any sort of third party skill but there is also a hue skill which like one of the main things that provides you is the ability to set scenes um 
so like bright dimmed and then if you have the ambiance lights there's a handful of other type of like color temperatures and things which you have to have the hue skill to enable and the best i can tell is that the out of the box functionality so like just turning lights on and off and grouping them and setting brightness that all works just fine with multiple bridges they all the lights and stuff just show up as as you know regular smart home devices but the um the hue skill basically only works on the lights that are connected to um the first bridge that you connected to the lady in a can so i still i still need to kind of like dive in and actually look at that for myself but um yeah, more on that to come. Got it. Well, I look forward to your upcoming book, What to Expect When You're Expecting a Second Hubridge. <laughs> All right, let's keep going with the Ryan Holmes stuff. Apparently, you um, you got a, a nice TiVo value add? Ugh, the, I, this is very upsetting. I had avoided the uh, TiVo pre-roll ads up until now. When it happened for the first, for the first time the other night, I didn't really even quite know what was happening because the quality of the video was just so low i like i was thinking that like maybe you got hacked <laughs> yeah i was just thinking like something was like wrong with the tivo or maybe just like wrong because we, we were you know obviously watching a recording so i thought maybe something went wrong with the recording or like maybe it had recorded like the standard def channel somehow or it, it was it was very it was a very strange like five seconds until i snapped to and went Oh, this is the this is the pre-roll ad thing. Um, so take a guess, Carlos, what what our first TiVo pre-roll ad was? Salino and Barnes. Not a bad guess because they were the one of the first. I was I, I was also again Reddit is often bad, but r slash uh, TiVo is actually a good resource. But it seems like that that's one of the big um, big advertisers. But who would you get? Tom Steyer. Yeah, <laughs> our boy. It could have been a fucking Mike Bloomberg ad. It could have been, been worse. It's, it's going to be one of the two if you're in uh, California at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, Tom Tom Steyer 2020 ad. I, I hear he's taken on big oil mm. once or twice mm. in his life. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so that's okay. that's bad. Can I ask? Do you? It, uh, my biggest issue. I don't. I rarely use my TiVo, so I honestly, I, I haven't ever gotten a um, a pre roll ad. But I also don't watch anything on TiVo anymore ever. Um, do you? But whenever I'm in the guide, I get these dumb inserted ads for all like the weird content nobody would ever watch on TiVo Plus. Do you get weird guide ads? Because I get that. I spend very little time in the guide. Hmm. Um, you might because we we've we watch very very little live TV, and when we do, it's generally sports, and that's just going to like one specific channel and not really flipping around. And then when we're watching shows, those you know ninety five percent of the time are just recorded, so I'm just hopping right into the DVR menu. So yeah, don't spend a lot of time in the guide. Yeah. Other related stuff on TiVo, um, there's this a Twitter account that lets that has a list of um, uh, tech uh, executive accounts that it follows and will tweet whenever they unfollow or follow somebody. Eddie Q is now following at TiVo. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
the morning show about to be an exclusive on TiVo plus. <laughs> um, I was so mad when I got the earnings alert on my phone and it just had Tim Cook making the peace sign at the Apple TV premiere. It was, it's, it's pretty good. It's very on brand for him. He thinks he's in the Rolling Stones or something. <laughs> um, this was apparently this was a very limited run thing, but um, on Product Hunt I found that Casper made um, like weed gummies. I, I don't like any of the CBD stuff, and I'm I'm very prejudiced against it without doing any research. But it seems like CBD is the new like you know like two years ago when acai was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Or what was the one before that? There's always a new flavor of the month. Like kale, there's there's always there's always um a superfood of like every eighteen months. There's like the there's like the kombucha thing, right? Yeah, but that I think that's here to stay, unfortunately. But yeah, so apparently Casper knows no limits and they did a partnership with some marijuana distributor and they were making sleep gummies or some ugh. Just put it in notes, and people can uh, look at it and judge with us, please. Yeah, well, this is sort of the, um, the, the, I guess the reason this is FU is because it ties into that topic from a handful of shows ago about how these kind of, what start off as like kind of one product companies, how they they all kind of do the same thing where they kind of lose their way and start selling a bunch of like random stuff. And I, I think like casper and away are maybe two of the classic mm. examples of this away i would say no no i'm gonna say away still has most of its bearings um oh i always forget that not away i'm it's probably gonna lead me to like some porn site away travel.com <laughs> can't go to whitehouse.com remember that was a joke in the 90s um i think for the most part away has maintained their core thing like they do those, you know, that half-ass suitcase where they have, it's basically just has like um, a laptop sleeve strapped to the front of it. <laughs> right. I've seen exactly one of those in real life. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I lied. I'm looking at their... <laughs> I'm, I'm telling wait, you. I'm looking yeah. at their suitcase, suitcase page and I was like, okay, they got four. No, they got eight, 12, 20. Yeah. It keeps going. It keeps going. And a lot of them are just colors and materials, but still it's... It's kind of crazy. Well, yeah, but I don't think you can hate on it because you're the one who got your uh, uh, um, Tauntaun Stormtrooper thingy. Like you, you got you got your semi-translucent medium-sized carry-on or whatever. In what context did you learn the phrase Tauntaun? Because that was that's the animal that the dude turns into a sleeping bag. We covered this 100 episodes ago. Okay. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Because, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the Tauntaun. But you and haven't even seen that movie. But I know it's the animal that he crawls inside of and makes himself a bed. Who crawls inside of him? One of the guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that narrows it down to not being Leia or Ray. I think her's her name. That's correct. I know yes. the name of the actress. I know Daisy Ridley. She's a very talented actress, but I don't. I think, yeah, it's Ray. I don't know who Adam Driver is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. He's. I. I mean. No. I also think that Daisy Ridley is a terrific actress. But I would say that of the two, Adam Driver is probably the more famous one. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, he, he's a good actor. Um. Well, you just said he did, you didn't know who he was. No, I don't know who he is in the. Oh. Movie. Oh. I, I mean, like. I have. Now. I have zero intention of ever watching more than that three quarters of episode four that I watched and then got bored with. He's. Uh, he's Kylo Ren. Is his character name understood <laughs> mm -hmm. um i still haven't watched marriage story 
Uh, mm, yeah, I've I've heard it's good, but I've heard it's a um it's a tough watch. <laughs> I thought that the Irishman was a tough watch. I've I've also heard that's a tough watch. I had a, <laughs> I had was my um father in law watched that when it first came out, and he described one of the uh, we'll say more violent scenes in it, and I went hmm. Because I actually was thinking, like, oh, you know, I, that's probably a movie I'd like to watch. And then I, I had this scene described to me, and I thought, mm, actually, you know what? Maybe that's a movie I don't want to watch. Okay. Thank you for telling me that. Because, again, with my uh, distaste for hyperviolent TV, I will skip that. Yeah. Cool. Um, I still haven't watched El Camino either. Uh, you, my, mm. my, can we talk about TiVo lists? Like, every time somebody says, hey, is there something good on, on TiVo? And I add it to my list. And also, I want to watch that sheer documentary, which I don't have time for. There's so many things that are on TiVo, not on TiVo. What's the other one? What's the good one? Netflix. And I just, I go into the iOS app. It's either OmniFocus or, or the Netflix app. I write it down and I never go and watch it. So yeah, there's, there's so many things. There's, there's El Camino. There's Marriage Story. There's a, I think I have like 12 things I've added since the first of the year that I will never watch, basically. I do think that I want to watch El Camino before uh, Better Call Saul comes back. So can you put that in the doc, or can you basically just do put that in Slack every three days? Okay. Because I'm I'm gonna freak yet. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah. So Netflix. Uh. G. Uh, I need. We, somebody needs to write the GTD for for Netflix. <laughs> uh. Maybe that's our about? million dollar idea. I've had plenty of those. I've but I never tra- I never mailed it to myself. So therefore, it's gone. <laughs> right. Uh. Back to the doc. Oh yeah, CBD gummies. Gross. That's where that came from. Uh, what was the what was this tweet? Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite memes. So you can put the link into uh, uh, this tweet where I always like the I forget it's it's from some I think like Brazilian telenovela where it's the the lady just with more and more complicated math going on. I always like that as a as a nice wholesome meme. But yeah, somebody uh, making a joke about. Uh, toilet paper of how six mega rolls and it's thirty. It's it's a, a more a more follow up related to um paper product math. Yes, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, and then rounding out follow up, you I actually didn't end up looking at this. Um, you had some follow something related to the um the big Ford EV thing. Yeah, the Mach-E, we briefly talked about when it was first announced, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. Uh, so there was the Washington Auto Show this past week, and they had the Mach-E kind of as the showcase vehicle there. So there were lots more pictures. People got to you know check out the interior, etc. And I don't know. I guess my big takeaway is I've I've sort of come around on the car. It seems really well designed. Um, you know, I we've talked before about how the, the Mustang branding does nothing for us, and even just like the big Mustang logo on the steering wheel, like not not really what I'm looking for. But that aside, it actually does look like a really nice car, and seems like a a pretty solid competitor to something like the model y yeah um like i i want ford to succeed here just because i want um <clears throat> tesla to fail a little bit um just especially with it like since the first of the year like t- uh tesla stock is up like 60 f- percent uh, or something like there's there's some there's a whole lot of market rationality related to tesla because they've they've had a couple of solid quarters 
But yeah, I, I want one of the incumbent players to do well. But the Mach E, again, bad name, and also I really dislike that they've adopted the um, the Model S style, like big ass screen in the middle. I think it's a bit much. Well, yeah, and they kind of do the model s model x thing where they've got the big screen in the middle but then there's also the big screen uh instrument cluster so you're kind of getting it from all angles but the thing i thought you <laughs> would appreciate is they do have a little panel of physical buttons that are kind of tucked away but very accessible to the driver so not something you'd see like as a passenger coming into the car but as the driver something you have readily available to you that controls a lot of the key functions of the car in the event that you don't want to do that through the touchscreen. Yeah, I didn't know that it had a frunk, so that's cool. But also, um, and this goes back to, I think I talked about it um, when I was in uh, Washington, D.C., and I rented the world's worst car. Actually, no, sorry. I forgot. The Kia Optima is the world's worst car. The second worst car is that um, Ford Folk, uh, Ford uh, Fusion Hybrid. Ford does this thing where they have their... Um, their gear selector is just like a dial. I really, really, really dislike that. I had my first experience with that. We were in Colorado back in November and rented. It ended up being like one of the the brand new Ford Edges. I guess it's like the 2018 or 2019 model year where they first introduced this in the Edge, where it does it has that same turny shifter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't like it. It's bad. Exactly. So I dislike I, I dislike a lot of this, um, but again, I want them to succeed. I like that it's got some physical buttons, but yeah, that that screen is just it's it's um, it's 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 absurd. But yeah, but more frunks in more places. I like it. Yeah, it uh, seems like a nice car. And also, I like that they're making stuff that's not. I like I I I want the trend. I want bigger sedans slash crossovers. I'm I'm kind of thumbs down to SUVs. So I, I do like that this is kind of just like. It's very not that Tesla invented it, but it's it's very Model Y ish. Yeah, and that's um, yeah. I, I guess part of how this connects to just me on a personal note too is I, you know, I'm going to be entering a phase of my life where the Model Three size wise is going to become more and more of a challenge. So definitely, this sort of um, crossover SUV sized car is um, kind of something I'll I'll keep my eye on. Just get yourself an e-tron. It's literally the perfect size for what you want. It is, but it's it's very expensive. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. I've actually I, I don't mind the look of it. I think it's it's nice, but um, for what you're getting, it's just it's. I mean, you're you're almost getting into like Model X territory with that thing, and if but if, you but you pay extra to not have gullwing doors, so that's that's an advantage. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, actual uh for uh, real business. Actually, do we? Do you want to talk about any of the Peacock stuff, or do wait? Am I looking at the wrong document? Uh, no, we didn't really get around to that last oh, yeah. week. So yeah, to Peacock Plus. Wait, wait, am I making that up? Is that what it's called? I don't think they went with Peacock Plus, unfortunately. Peacock Premium. Premium, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what? This so the, there were two things related to this, and again, people can just listen to Upgrade for for a better take on it, but. Um, there's two remarkable things where, uh, one, they are for their late night programming, uh, the Jimmy Fallon and, um, Seth Meyers show, which generally tape in the late afternoon on East coast time. They are going to make those available, um, 
multiple hours before they normally would air. So if you're on the West Coast, you'd be able to watch that maybe six hours early, which is kind of neat. And they're avoiding really pissing off um, most of their affiliates just because I believe, like Jason said, most of their uh, stations, at least in the biggest markets, are O&O. So it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so that, that, that's neat. I appreciate that they're playing with the format and they're they're made, they're kind of doing a Disney Plus-ish thing where they're not worried about protecting the legacy business to maybe try to get themselves an advantage in what's coming up next. I'm still fairly pessimistic on peacock as a thing but um no it's interesting yeah i think the the thing that's holding it back at least in my mind so far and maybe when we get closer to launch and more news comes out this will be less of a thing but the the different tiers and the pricing and who's getting what it is the messaging has been very confusing well Um, a lot that's because it's cable town though because like like Comcast is a gigantic company and they're saying that they're going to give the ad supported thing for free, but then having tiers that go all the way up to ten dollars a month if you don't have Comcast and don't want ads, when Disney Plus is like what seven dollars, that seems like a really tough sell. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I'm with you. I think by far and away the most interesting part of the story so far, which is actually sort of sort of one of the more interesting parts of just streaming in general, is the way that that platform allows you to play around with formats and kind of buck tradition. Like obviously Netflix with their whole kind of binge watching model, which, you know, you've, you've been against pretty consistently. And I've also come around to being against, um, at least what you can say about it is that it's, you know, it, it kind of changed the rollout of a TV series for the first time, kind of like in forever. Um, and I, it, it's it's neat to see streaming platforms try kind of new wacky stuff. So some of it's going to work, some of it's not going to work. But I'm I'm all for companies trying it. Yeah. Oh, and then we can throw those out there. there you can just this will be a 10 second thing. But yeah, throw the link into Gruber's piece on here because again, he so he this week we're gonna be we're gonna be talking. We're just basically gonna be reading Daring Fireball, and he had one exceptional take. One exceptionally good take and one really bad one. So he had a thing called interesting stats on the U.S. streaming market and some, um, I forget, so it's the Wall Street Journal where they had an estimate of active subscribers for streaming services with Netflix uh, in the U.S. at 61 million, uh, Amazon Prime at 42, and Apple TV Plus at 33. And for a service that I can almost guarantee less than 1% of people are paying for, that it it kind of takes balls to pretend that's success. I don't know this, this. Even though he kind of hedged and kind of made a point of yes, most people are on a trial. Like, come on, dude. Well, and also here's another angle on that number. How many millions of Apple products have been sold that are eligible for the free one year? And that that thirty three point six million numbers got to be a shockingly low percentage of those people. So even though it's free, the <laughs> tons and tons of people aren't even taking it at that price. So yeah, I, that that number. Uh, he uses the phrase "interesting," which mm. sure, yeah, I guess yeah, that is kind of interesting, but probably not in a good way for Apple. Yeah. Um, you know, I got an email saying that I only have four more days to to enroll in my trial. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I went ahead and I went ahead and I, I was running up against kind of the same deadline. And um, 
I went ahead and activated mine. Uh, the lady friend and I really want to watch the morning show, which I think we're going to be starting here pretty shortly. So um, now that I've got, you know, access to the OLED again, all that good stuff. Um, and I want to watch that for all mankind show. That seems kind of up my alley. Yeah. Let me know how that goes. Cause I, I don't trust the opinion of the relay guys just because they're very into space. I am, I am ambivalent. I like, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Like Apollo 11, is it Apollo 11 or Apollo 13? The Tom Hanks movie. Apollo 13 is the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. So I don't Let me know. Let me know how this is. Cause okay. I'm, but it's also a TV's a big investment. That's, that's, that's 12 hours. Well, and I think this is probably going to go a little into the sci-fi stuff, which no. is not, not you usually your thing. I mean, not well, I mean, in like the, the, not idea in the star of, war way, but. but like the, the, the premise of like, what did the, what if the space race to end? Like that sounds, that sounds super fun. But again, like, I think maybe I'm envisioning that there's some politics involved and it's, it's like space and politics. And I don't think that's probably what it is. So we'll please let me know. Yeah. I've, I've kind of intentionally not read too much about it. So I, I will let you know. Thank you. Uh, actually, well, we'll, delivery apps real quick can you please just put these in the notes but there there's been a whole lot of um talk over the past couple of weeks about delivery apps and and grubhub and seamless actually ooh, and there's one thing that you didn't put in here um that i will find and push to you in slack but like uh doordash grubhub and seamless and so many companies are just doing super sketchy stuff related to to this one it's uh, like a lot of their business models centered around uh, gig economy worker exploitation a whole bunch of other stuff but also it's it's kind of a much more um dramatic version of um like vc funded capitalism where they're training customers to not understand what the actual cost of the good is and then that's compounded with and i'll send you the link they're also uh screwing over um restaurant owners too by um i think Grubhub was the biggest offender, but in the past they've done this thing where they would make a website for restaurants that didn't have a solid online presence, uh, SEO spam the hell out of it. And so it would rise to the top of Google searches so that they could capture all inbound leads for people trying to do an online order and then charge that company um, a referral commission for it because they hadn't set up their own website. And, and, you had to go through a bunch of hoops to opt out of it. It was not opt-in. So they do sketchy stuff like that, but also uh, the Chronicle, there was like this um, blow up this past weekend where there's a, a restaurant called Kin Cow, I think. It's a Michelin-starred restaurant that ended up on, that does not offer delivery or takeout, and that ended up on, um, on Seamless, where you could uh, order from it, and nobody could really answer where the food was coming from, because it certainly wasn't the restaurant. <laughs> So it's just it, it's it's a really sketchy industry, and I also I I and we've 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 talked about like I or at least I've talked about my hatred of these services, where it just it 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 feeds this level of entitledness where you should be able to command at the tap of a finger the food uh, the best food of any city, and you you can go be shitty to um somebody that's making three dollars and fifty cents by spending an hour of their time trying to get you your food and you still complain about it. I'm very anti-delivery service. Yeah, especially I'm just because it it it, um especially with the audience it caters to in the bay in the Bay Area specifically it just it 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 uh, fills a gap for the most entitled possible people. Sorry. Yeah. No. I I um I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think 
for me, these delivery services, you know, in addition to all the sketchiness, just, just in their kind of function, I've, you know, even when I lived in San Francisco, now living in suburbia, it's all kind of been the same where just the reliability of these services are, is usually not very good. Um, and then more at like a economic level, I just feel like these types of services are sort of like exhibit A of the, you know, kind of current um, kind of rush for capital that there is uh, in the Bay Area. And how these kind of VC funded companies that have no pathway towards profitability, um, it, like it feels like it, it, it's it's an extreme example. I don't think it's going to go quite this way, but yeah, you know, like when you think of like the you know dot com bubble burst, like you think of like you know pets dot com and that kind of thing, and it feels like if this kind of current cycle busts in some way like these food delivery services would be something that people would kind of look back on and be like yeah that that was probably a bit extreme well yeah i mean this this is basically cosmo um which i don't think ever you might not know because it never came to orange county like uh webvan did um which was a very ill-fated uh food delivery service in, in 2000 but cosmo was a company that in the bay area and i think new york city um offered one hour delivery of just anything you just go online, you just say, hey, I want this thing, and it comes to your house. And it was it was the height of unrealistic market expectations, which did not appropriately price in the value of labor and what things actually should cost. And that's the part where, like, it, at least for how much we've knocked um, Uber for um, predatory pricing and not actually showing what the um, full cost of the service is to the customer, at least Uber rides and Lyft rides are sort of in the realm of what they might cost. Sort of, like still not entirely accurate, like for Uber or Lyft to be profitable, like they probably have to tack on like 30% to whatever the actual fare is. But like, yeah, like the food delivery and like the Postmates stuff, that all just seems um, just so not rooted in reality that it just has to collapse at one point. Right. I don't know. Uh, but do you want to talk about happy things? Do we do that here? Sometimes. Okay. So I think I'm actually, we've talked, you suggested this uh, maybe a couple of months ago. I do think I am legitimately going to go all in on being a Trader Joe's influencer. I, I think you should. I, I'd fully, fully support you. Yeah. But there's a couple things. So we can throw this in, in the thing. Uh, I disagree with so much of this art of this post, but um, Trader Joe's has their 11th annual. Uh, did not know that was a thing. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I'm going to believe them. I don't think it's fake news. The 11th annual Customer Choice Awards. Um, yeah, I, I bought, I've, so there's a few things on this list that I've purchased. I, I always forget, do you shop at Trader Joe's much or not? Not really. Um, it, it comes and goes. It's, you know, with, with the, with the way life has been, there's not been a, a lot of traditional grocery shopping happening lately, but, um, but I, I love Trader Joe's. So not a reflection on them. Just well, the, quick sidebar. What stocks your freezer in terms of like, you guys don't want to cook. And you do, you just want to have something that you can just heat up in the oven for twenty minutes. Where does that uh, stuff it, come it's, from? It's a lot, it's a lot of Trader Joe's stuff. Okay, uh, so it's you know the, their frozen brown rice things like that. Oh um, yeah, but organic um, or not organic? It's the kind of greenish box. Yeah, the organic one, nice. Um, but uh, you know that stuff. We you know one Trader Joe's run will last 
quite a while. Yeah. And we're also, you know, we're a, a Costco household too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stocking up that happens there. Yeah. Four pounds of chicken at a time. I got you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I, I've purchased on, on this list. There's some, some things out of left field, some things that do make total sense. I have heard on um, the Trader Joe's subreddit and on the Trader Joe's Instagram accounts and the fan accounts that uh, kind of create the ecosystem that the everything but the bagel sesame seasoning is very, very good. I've purchased it, but I've never tried it on anything. So excited for that one. You just you just have it sitting on a shelf or what? Is it is it aging? Um, I I assume it's it's I assume it's like plutonium. Like it it, it just has it. It's gonna be around forever. <laughs> Fair enough. And you got to put it in New Mexico when 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 you can't use it anymore. <laughs> right. Um, the orange chicken is is very good. It's terrible for you, but it's it's I, very good. I know it's it's it makes me sad. But over the last couple of years, this is this is the thing that I've slowly phased out of my diet um it pains me because it's very good but yeah so um the one thing that i will say so the best the frozen entree that trader joe's has is by far and it is not on this list and it upsets me are the uh mini chicken tikka samosas they are amazing if you are having a shameful day and you eat all 16 mini samosas still (laughs) only 540 calories so it's fine. It's not too bad. Nobody, nobody needs to know. Um, but a lot of this other stuff, I'm going to say, uh, big old nope. Um, uh, vegan uh, cauliflower gnocchi, nope. Throw it right out the window. Stop it. <laughs> Unplug the freezers. Get it out of here. Um, Trader Joe's has a lot of good sweets. Their dark chocolate uh, peanut butter cups are like uh, better Reese's. So pretty great um snack i disagree with but people can go look at this um go look at this list and then over the coming months i will maybe pivot my instagram account uh to be exclusively trader joe's stuff and we'll and we'll see how it goes i thought this was fun i think there's a lot of money to be made uh yeah let me know who's making it and then how i can get some (laughs) all right um oh this this is a, a throwaway thing but um so I forget where this came from, but a couple of nights ago, I was on I was on Reddit, and there was a thing where somebody posted a picture of. Oh, now I remember. Hold on, can we, you can. Uh, oddly satisfying. Okay, well, eventually I'll find it. It was a thing where somebody was posting. There's there's a subreddit where it's called oddly satisfying, and somebody mounted a television on their wall, and the television was exactly the length of the wall can you visualize that yes do you think that's satisfying or not like do you think that's cool or do you think that's wrong i think it's wrong it is because it's it's too much if you look at it off angle it looks weird and also your television set just shouldn't be that big right correct um i'm so upset i can't find this um hold on there we go okay i found it all right uh go back to slack there we go so you can see the picture so yeah so it looks like just like a widescreen tv and it's exactly the length of the wall so can you tell me what else is wrong with this picture um uh hmm there's something about the fireplace that looks weird below it well no it's it's not like an optical illusion or anything it's the tv is mounted way too high like that that's insanity Hmm. like you you know because i i assume i mean you worked at best buy like you you know that there's 
there's a formula for kind of what's a comfortable eye level for a television set. And that is not it. Yeah, we're agreed. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we're I know um, I know sometimes you do you have no other option. And I know you're kind of doing a thing where it is not your primary TV. Your primary TV exists at the correct height, but your secondary TV might be a bit high. That's yeah, no, that's going to be an interesting project once kind of some other things settle down is as part of the the kitchen remodel we while we had the guys out here we also had them uh set it up so that we're going to be able to mount the tv in our living room above the fireplace there um and i'm i am generally anti tv above a fireplace mostly because i just i don't like looking up at a tv that's just that's just not not what i prefer but in, in in your case, it's it's fair because it's not going to be that's not going to be where you go to watch movies. That's going to be uh, you're in the kitchen and you maybe want to have the game on, or you're entertaining and you want to have just something going on, on the Apple TV. Right. Yeah. It's it's going to be like on a swivel mount, so you'll be able to see it from yeah, living room, kitchen, backyard, all that good stuff. So the ring I, reason I bring this up because in the comments, sometimes people will, whenever somebody submits something to the oddly satisfying subreddit and it is very much does not meet those requirements and it's actually <laughs> bad, they will uh, complain that no, it is not. So somebody referenced, apparently there's a subreddit called uh, TV Too High, which is just people going on like Zillow and looking at real estate listings where people mount TVs too high. Oh my God. And it's the best because it's kind of like the TV equivalent of like, we want plates. Again, Reddit is so much of it's garbage, but sometimes there's great stuff. I'm I'm friends with a monster. <laughs> it's one of the post names. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, which one is that one? Oh, how how bad is that one? Uh, it no, actually it's fine. It, it doesn't. The, the, seem... That person's gaming monitor is much more offensive. Um, the one the one that's a couple down from that though is very very upsetting. With the which one? The three three TVs. Two of which are... Wait, what's the post called, though? Accidentally found this sub, figured this belong here, too. So, oh, which are, God. So you two enormous TVs that are literally side by side, like touching each other side by side. And then you have another smaller TV, but which is also probably pretty large, centered above those TVs. That poor dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, if you go back to the thing... To the to the main listing on that subreddit, I like that the second post there is. Do you remember that episode of The Office where they have the world's most awkward dinner party? I do. That's that's an all timer. That was a very uncomfortable episode to watch. It it always stresses me out where I don't watch it again because it was right. just so cringeworthy. But I do. I I forgot that he had that thirteen inch four by three flat TV. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the reason I bring this up is um, you had mentioned that I should start watching a show called Property Brothers. Or that yeah. you're saying that you like that, right? Where is it? Hold on. There was a somebody showed a, a clip from. There we go. Property Brothers doing it wrong. There we go. Send you a link. I did not know that Property Brothers did like weird three three uh, D CGI like demos of how somebody's house is going to look. Yeah, that's kind of a, a fixture of the show. <laughs> yeah, and that TV is hung way too high, and also. Um, I like how one of them wears a tie and one doesn't, because one's one's the the casual one and one is the cool one, <laughs> right? I don't know who's who and who's the brothers with who, but um, yeah, that's a that's a bit much. Anyway, that was a very long way of saying I couldn't sleep, and somehow I figured out that there's a Reddit about mounting your TV wrong. Well, it's kind of impressive that you had gone this long without knowing who the Property Brothers are. It just it kind of just feels like they're 
everywhere now. Like speaking of advertising around the big game, like they were in a Super Bowl ad last year. Would not be surprised if they were in one again this year. Um, they're just they're kind of everywhere. Yeah, I generally think like I'm fairly plugged into um like pop culture, but yeah, that it that doesn't really do it for me. Like I just maybe I just don't watch enough TV with ads, I guess. Because like HGTV, I only ever watch Fixer Upper, but generally I'll watch that like on Hulu now. Because again, like I swore off like those types of shows just because one reality TV got really bad because of all the Bravo shows, but also HGTV would do those shows that were like financially ill-advised about flipping houses. So I guess I'm not, I don't have um, like love it or list it in the background all, all the time or something. I did. That's a bad one. <laughs> It's basically the uh, housing equivalent of Say Yes to the Dress, right? Uh, I don't think I've ever actually seen a full episode of Say Yes to the Dress, so I can't mm. say for sure. Got it. All right. Do you want to talk about Gruber's article that was uh, one of the best things on the internet uh, over the past week? Yeah, let's do it. Did you read the whole thing? I have not. No, I've I've read, or I've not read, listened to the full episode of Upgrade about the iPad turning 10. Oh, no. So maybe we can do a little <laughs> compare and contrast between uh, this and that. I think my strategy that I mentioned, which was a marking us played as soon as Snell Talk was over, was a very sound strategy. <laughs> so you can put a link in the show notes to this, but I'll, I'll tee up the, um, the Gruber article and then you can, you can fill, in the, fill in the rest. But basically, he made a really good point about kind of everybody's doing their whole, um, like, because I think it was on Monday that the iPad turned 10 years old from when um, Steve Jobs did his whole thing where he's in his um, living room chair and he's just using the iPad, just showing how this brand new thing would be used. Well, basically, he, to sum it up, says, quote, 10 years later, though, I don't think the iPad has come close to living up to its potential. By the time the Mac turned 10, it had redefined multiple industries. The iPhone was, uh, and then skip over some stuff. The iPhone was a revolution. The iPad has been a spectacular success and to tens of millions, it's a beloved part of their daily lives, but it has to date fallen short of being revolutionary. And basically his thesis is that um, iPad multitasking is so bad that that is what mostly hamstring or that that handicaps the iPad from being useful. He makes the point that when the iPad first came out, it kind of did embody the whole, like w w people who wanted to dismiss the iPad would say stuff like, it's just a big iPhone. And to his point was, yeah, it kind of was. And it was great because it was dead simple to use. Like you could have different applications because it was a 10 inch screen versus like a four inch screen on your iPhone five at the time. But it was like more powerful in different ways. And that's why it was a really good product that kind of fit as that third device. And he talks about how the current like iPad pro hardware is amazing, but that just like the software on iPad OS is just so bad. And that multitasking is like just bananas. Like I, I, I use my iPad for like an hour a week at most, but I, anytime I just occasionally will ever just try to pretend and, use split screen or something i'm just so confused and it doesn't ever make any sense and i guess that's his big point is just that the multitasking on ios makes no sense and it just has so many limitations compared to the mac but it also has also lost all of its simplicity that like he makes a great point of just why ipad as like the computer replacement its proponents want to pretend it is 
doesn't really hold up. And it was it was it was so um it was a very cogent take on the iPad at 10 years old, especially in light of what I assume was talked about on Upgrade about how it's a revolutionary device and how the future of work is iPads and and blah blah blah. Well, so fortunately the episode of Upgrade over half of it was spent just talking about that initial um keynote and about the history of the product and that all that actually was was pretty interesting especially the keynote and just some of the things from it um you know like the the chair kind of playing such a key part of it and how the New York Times website was like one of the key uh things that was demoed um yeah there's just there was a lot of kind of just neat things thinking back on that that keynote uh but they but they did mike and um jason did eventually kind of talk about how the ipad has has become like their primary uh computing device and there was this moment in the episode that um really kind of distilled it down for me where I just feel like it's, it's where there's just this kind of um, this impasse that people like Jason and Mike and like you and I come to, which is, I think, I think if this was Mike who said it, where it was something to the effect of, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it was, it was pretty close to this where he basically said, yes, there are some things I could do more quickly and easily on a Mac but I find them to be more enjoyable to do on an iPad. And, like, and that just, that just, it, that just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Like, to me, the enjoyment of using any kind of technology device is by how quickly and efficiently it can do something. Um, and especially if i if i'm if i'm working on a device and i know that there's something else that i have in which i can do that task more quickly um it it just it's unreconcilable to me how you could find the slower method to be better um and you know and also we've talked ad nauseum about this but it it just was an idea that i i kept coming back to which is it just feels like there's not an acknowledgement by people who do like, or who claim to do basically their entire job on an <laughs> iPad, um, that they have a very particular niche type of job that allows them to do that. And that the overwhelming majority of people have a job out there where that's just like my job is literally not possible to do on an iPad. And I, there's I don't need to get into the technical reasons as to why that is, but like it literally would not be possible. Same with your job. Oh well, yeah, but that means your job's illegitimate. <laughs> and it's just weird that there's not kind of more of a acknowledgement behind that. And that's also putting aside the fact that like even people like Mike and Jason, not not to bag on them, there are others in the T word circle who are like this too. But um, I actually happen to really like both of them. So I'm you know I'm I'm not. I guess they're just top of mind, but. Like the main part of their job, which is podcasting, they don't do from an iPad. They do from a Mac. Um, so it's, I guess it, it's kind of, it actually ties back to a topic from last week too, which is like Apple and their kind of stance on uh, privacy. It's a self-inflicted thing where 
Apple's position around that stuff is actually pretty good, but they kind of the marketing around it is a bit off-putting. And it's like, sure, if you want to use your iPad for your job and and to do work, like that's I, that's great, good good for you. But like to then like talk about it in a way that makes it seem like anybody could do it. That's what I find to be kind of frustrating. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, the chief and, and specifically with your highlighting the way that other people talk about it, because like I, I want everybody to use the device that they like the most. If if the device that you think you can get your work best on best done on is a uh, a, a compact running Ubuntu. Uh, throw a parade I, like I'm, I'm so happy for you like do whatever fits best for you but the idea like the, the the ipad proponents will always throw around is that this is a very capable device and it's it's mo- it's way better at almost everything and some things you're hamstrung by and that second part is always minimized like that's the part that just doesn't necessarily sit right with me i want everybody to use the tools that they love most again like as somebody who enjoys photography where you have like so many different ways to do things and you could choose a certain thing that you like and you you're very particular about the tools that you use like there's no wrong answer to that but to also not acknowledge that like if you're somebody who chooses to use film over digital or whatever like sure it's different and it might be better to you but you can't like in all honesty pretend that it's the same or that that other people are like just not seeing what you're seeing that everything is so much easier or better like and that's a good call out where some of the people that really 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 love their ipads the thing that they do for money it, it that, that that is the most important thing they do on a weekly basis is is not possible to do on the device they claim to love so much that's just so weird. I don't know. And also, um, so Steve uh, Stroughton Smith uh, is somebody who he's one of the people who kind of finds all like the unreleased stuff in um, uh, in iOS. And he's one of the people kind of alongside uh, Guillermo Rambo uh, with um, finding stuff about uh, what was it called? Catalyst. Yeah, he, he posted a whole thing about basically how the files app is just basically fundamentally broken in so many ways. And that's where, uh, like, I don't, and, and Federico had a thing where he was like, oh yeah, the shortcuts app has been pretty much unreliable and broken for like the past three months on iOS and it's still not fixed yet. And he's like, I really hope it gets fixed. Like, I don't, iPad users are willing to have key parts of how they work just completely not be functional because just whatevs. Like, not being able to manage files in any reliable way like I don't I don't get how that's acceptable for something people claim is their primary computing device. Like that that seems bananas to me. Well, and it's not like we live in a world where the Mac doesn't exist, where it's like the iPad or like Windows or something. It's it just it seems like in all of these cases where the iPad and iOS in general come up a bit short. Like the the Mac is a fantastic platform, um, and a lot of the advantages that the iPad had maybe ten years ago around battery life and being lighter and thinner and more portable. I mean, modern Mac hardware is 
Yeah, you compare a 13-inch MacBook Pro size-wise to a to an iPad Pro, like an 11-inch iPad Pro, or even like the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, and there's not that much of a difference. So it's just it's just strange to me that you know you'd hamstring yourself when there's a another Apple device that's far more capable. So, so that I, I I do get. Like, I can totally get the form factor argument and the fact that um, <clears throat> an iPad is like instant on, and there's a whole like I, I I actually will give a lot of credit to that being a valid reason to prefer that as a as a work tool. And I can also understand how some people will say that they think iOS is a less distraction prone environment. Like, like I will I will actually afford a lot of credit for a lot of those things. It's just the fundamental parts of. Um, trying to sell it as a tool for everybody but when like i think about a lot of times like when i'm doing anything where like i'm i'm moving a lot of files around or i'm working on a project where i maybe i have uh chrome open Airtable, excel and TextMate, and i'm doing a whole bunch of stuff and i'm working quickly and and it, i would say fairly effectively on a mac like when when you think about being able to do any of that on an ipad like i think the answer from ipad people is well you just shouldn't do that like i like i there's so many things where if you push up the edge against the edges of the iPad, it just it just doesn't work. And I don't fault the iPad for that because I guess my opinion on it as somebody who doesn't use one much but still owns one is that I feel like the iPad is a an important third device for a lot of people and it has its purpose, but I think it's entirely okay for it not to be a computer replacement. And I feel like the iPad evangelists kind of feel like it's offensive for it to not be viewed as a computer replacement i don't know like it, it just feels like it's it's cool that it like it, that it for me it's my device to like watch a yoga lesson on or do a crossword on when i'm on a plane or use as a kindle e-reader or to use like when i'm following a recipe in my kitchen like it's fine like that and that's good and that's a device where i would much prefer to use my ipad instead of a mac because just because the form factor is more more versatile, but also in almost every other case for any other work I would want to do other than writing, my Mac is better. I don't know. I just I, I think both of those thoughts can exist, and the the promise in Apple's marketing message, and also so much of the changes they've put into iPad OS are doing a disservice to that core function that a lot of people like the iPad for. And it's not really getting a lot of people closer to it replacing the Mac as much as some people want it to. It's all well said. Yep. All right. Are you going to be an extra in the Matrix? <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah, Project Ice Cream. Uh, um, yeah, I th are they... I, I honestly hadn't heard about this project at all because I remember the Matrix being a... A movie that I saw for the first time in um, my eighth grade video yearbook class, and that was the first time I had ever seen it. And then a bunch—I know a bunch of nerds liked it. And then apparently they made two other ones that were very bad. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. Yes. So when is this going to be a fourth one, or are they just going to pretend the other two didn't happen? It's hard to say because the third one ends quite definitively um and uh, keanu reeves is going to be back in this one and 
the way that the third one ends kind of makes that impossible. So is that, is that the world's most backward spoiler of the guys? <laughs> Basically, yeah. God. Um, God, that movie came out. Jeez. I think that movie came out everything like, came out 20 years ago I'm, I'm just resigned to everything being 20 years ago i i think because the the two sequels came out in the same calendar year one came out over the summer one came out in the fall i think it was like 2003 so seven going on 17 years ago and anyway um so yeah it's, it's hard to say i mean with with that story there's not a there's not like a time travel component to it but um playing with time um is something that that could be done so so we'll we'll see we'll see what they do story wise but i you know i was a huge matrix fan as a kid and uh of of well i should say of the original i think the second one is good up until the last half an hour and then unfortunately the third one kind of just picks up where that the 30 minutes of the second one um leaves off um so it's a good like movie in two thirds um <laughs> but I, i'm 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 really excited for it to to come back well basically and, and, and the reason why we're talking about this now is that um apparently a lot of some of the filming is going to happen in san francisco in the financial district um beginning february 9th so if people want some spoilers into the movie, they can know that there's probably going to be a shit ton of scooters in Made the Matrix 4. <laughs> I guess the, the thing that I was impressed by is this, um, the existence of the sequel wasn't announced that long ago. Um, and I, I guess it, maybe it's been in development for a while. And so, you know, maybe maybe this was underway well before the movie was publicly known. But it's a pretty ambitious film schedule that they have for the city i think it spans like three weeks or something and it involves like a crazy number of street closures um so i was kind of surprised this came together the way that it did uh yeah i mean there's there are a lot of good uh yeah san francisco is for as big of a city or not as big of a city but for as um notable as a city as it's become in the past like 10 years um yeah there's not a whole lot of there haven't been a lot of recent movies that are set here so why not yeah and also, apparently, that meant that Keanu Reeves was in Alameda, getting ice cream at a Baskin Robbins, and NBC Bay Area is on it. Good, good for them. Yeah. Uh, got anything else urgent, or not really? Uh, not really. I think we should get to uh, show specials. Let's do it. So, mine, quick and simple this week. Um, home Kit and the Home App. It's not perfect. There's a lot that needs to be improved, although it has gotten a lot better since it first came out. But the thing it does, and the reason why it's my chef special this week, is because there's really no other platform that brings together um, disparate smart home stuff into a single platform. And that's, I'm finding that to be increasingly valuable. Like, I don't want to be managing eight different apps to check in on all the various smart home things I have, being able to access them all in one place is huge. And in some ways, particularly with this Philips Hue multi-bridge lifestyle thing that we talked about earlier, sometimes HomeKit offers actually more functionality than the manufacturer does or better functionality. So again, not a perfect app, something that Apple, I think, or at least I hope continues to work on. 
but there's nothing else quite like it. And kind of for that reason, it's, um, it's pretty good. Nice. Um, I don't have one, so I'm just gonna give people time back in their day and we're going to skip it. <laughs> 